And welcome to Babu's freaking podcast. Thank you so much for joining us in our galaxy far, far away. My name is Grand Moff Mark Valentine. As always, I am joined by the Jedi Council consisting of Brian Porkinsley. Brian, hello there. Hello there. I, I expected the hello, everyone. <laughs> no, 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 that's that's the other one. That's He's the other. Devi- one. Deviated. Uh, rounding out our Jedi Council is another than Mike Kiati Ruby. Mike, may the Force be with you. And also with you. <laughs> we have a first. There's a lot of firsts here tonight, gentlemen. Our Jedi Council has grown exponentially. Uh, and and uh, joining <laughs> our show for the first time, we have in-studio guests from Comics and Cinema Podcast. We are being joined by Alex Klein. Alex, welcome to Babu's Frickin' Podcast, my friend. Hey, great to be. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. We are excited to expand the Jedi Council. One of us is, is bound to betray us eventually and <laughs> bring balance back to the Force. Uh, also joining the show, one of our amazing Patreons, good friend of both Earth Mightiest Weirdos, and now Babu's Frickin' Podcast. Want to welcome to the show Robert Clauser. Robert, welcome Welcome, my friend. What's up, man? Appreciate y'all having me back on again. Thank you, guys. Uh, just a quick reminder, uh, gentlemen, that uh, this evening we're going to be talking about visions. I'm sure that we can get into a, a little, just maybe a little discussion about the big news that also broke today in the Star Wars universe with uh, the announcement that the Book of Boba Fett now has an official start date. Uh, but we are going to be offering our review. So uh, we'll try to... It, visions is not really a spoilery, te- spoilery type of show. So we're going to try to discuss as many components of Visions as we can and explain to you why you need Star Wars anime in your life. So we'll be talking about all nine of the episodes that just aired last week on Star Wars Visions, offering our critique, talking about some of the stylistic components of the show, how it expands the Star Wars universe and the Force power specifically, and then giving a little bit of our, uh, our own assessment on which ones worked for us and which ones maybe we're going to be passing on. Smash the subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up. Hit the share if you're enjoying. And as always, you can find our podcast um, everywhere you can find podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google. What am I forgetting, Brian? Uh, I mean, Instagram. Yes. Just everywhere. Just oh. this is life. 
Babu's freaking podcast. We have the best name in po- in Star Wars podcasting. I'm willing to say it. I happen to I happen to agree with you. All right, guys. So let's let's get right into the content and let's talk about the big news. That I mean, did we all not freak out and geek out today at the the arrival of the book of Boba Fett? Did you not just stop in your dead in your tracks today with whatever you were doing? Work, let's just say the workload around the world amongst the Star Wars fan base suffered for at least 10 to 15 minutes after the, the news broke. Did you did we all not become the most unproductive community in the world? <laughs> for about seven minutes, I just perused the internet making sure there was no trailer to go with the announcement. No, just uh just that JPEG of uh Boba Fett sitting like a boss in Jabba's throne. So let's let's have a little fun with this. Now that we know the date that we're getting it, uh, let's go around the horn. Gentlemen, what is your one wish list item that you just want to see from the book of Boba Fett? What do you want to see from our favorite Mandalorian in, in this December? Mike, why don't you start us off, man? Not a I'll, I'll start easy. I, I think that's the, the, probably the most obvious thing, which is how the hell to get out of the Sarlacc. Like, how how do you escape thousands of years of digestion in the giant hole in the ground with teeth? So I'm uh, I'm excited to see how uh, how they are able to cleverly come up with a way that he's able to escape the Sarlacc pit. Um, He obviously doesn't come out unscathed. We've seen that clearly he he got into some of the digestive juices, if you will, um, with the scarring that we see in. in the Mandalorian. So uh, let's see how he got out of the pit. Let's see how he lost the armor in the process. Um, and then we'll find out uh, hopefully a bit more about him from there. But that's, that's got to be mystery number one is how does our, uh, our, our, our favorite fet, probably most of our favorite fets, uh, get out of uh, his sandy tomb? Well, he's head and shoulders above Django. But I'm pumped. <laughs> oh, you're on a roll, just like Django said. <laughs> a little, a little decapitation humor. Uh, Facebook user agrees with you, Mike. I've never been happy with how Boba Fett died in the movie. He was supposed to be this awesome bounty hunter, and then he went out with no glory. Uh, thankfully, the Mandalorian rectified a lot of that and gave us some some badassery with his reintroduction to the show. That he started kicking some. Uh, some stormtrooper, but almost immediately restoring our faith in what made him such a badass in the first place. Robert, what do you need to see, or what do you want to see from the book of Boba Fett? Yeah, just more action, man. Just like, like hopefully Robert Rodriguez is still doing more work on the show. Like that episode he did on Mandalorian was great. So hopefully more of that, not not him just standing around like an empire and getting eaten by a Sarlacc in return. Like to see him do more stuff, you know. Dude, I feel like um, Robert Rodriguez is another one of these amazing stewards of the franchise. Like, he gets it. He's, he's a fan. He's a geek. So I feel like he really understands what we want. And it's, that was the best kind of fan service. Right. So I I've, am fully throwing, like, yes, Robert, you have, my, you have my blessing. I love the work that you've done on other stuff. So please, like, just knock our socks off. I think you will. Uh, Alex, what do you need to see from Book of Boba Fett, my friend? 
you know, with the, any Star Wars property, my first answer is always just Ahsoka. But I know I, that's asking a little too much for this. I, I think it would be uh, maybe seeing some of the other clones just because we've seen – like we saw them in Bad Batch where we got to see like Rex and some of the older ones as well. I'd love to see them in live action again because we haven't seen them since uh, Revenge of the Sith. We have a saying around here, which is I don't hate it. I don't hate that idea at all. Brian, I kind of know where you're going to go with this. We know where Brian's going. I know where Brian's going. What where do you need to say? No, well, let's say it first. Then I genuinely don't know what you want me to say. The answer I, I want to know is how did Bib Fortuna, one, get so fat, and two, survive to become <laughs> the prime boss in the first place? <laughs> You're going to get the Bib Fortuna backstory that no one else wants. <laughs> oh, no, I want it. <laughs> but if we i mean if we're going to talk about robert rodriguez like go watch disney gallery the mandalorian for season two and we get him one we get him playing the guitar to grogu and grogu just jamming out to it but we get a great homemade action sequence between the stormtroopers and his kids it's fantastic but i genuinely don't know what you want the answer for okay me so what i thought your answer was going to be which i saved for you because i was going to let you say it and not me i thought we were going to be in lockstep with what we want you know who I want from this show, and that's Cad Bane. I oh, want yeah. live action Ooh, Cad nice. Bane, and I want the duel that was left on the cutting room floor of the unpublished season of Clone Wars, where we have the Western-style standoff between Cad Bane and Boba Fett, where we get to see where the iconic dent comes in his helmet. Give it to me, please. Make it canon. I don't want your mama. I want my armor. Yeah, if we're going to get Cad Bane, give me Bosk. Give me the entire just bounty hunter crew. Uh, you know, they, they could do – the comics just did the uh, War of the Bounty Hunters storyline yeah. that Charles Sewell did. That yeah. would be cool to see. Like a, a War of the Bounty Hunters would be awesome. This, this feels like our first opportunity, real opportunity to get Asajj Ventress as well in, oh, yeah. in live action. I would be all for that. Let's just keep it rolling, gentlemen. It's like well, this is my yeah, this great. is my wish list. Well, it's ba- bounty hunters. You you said it best in our bounty hunter episode, Mark. There's there's no ruckus without Forlom and Zuckus. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> bounty hunting is a complicated profession. So this is the way. Ah, oh. gentlemen. As a side note, I just finished watching. I don't know, probably for the sixth or seventh time, The Mandalorian straight through season one through two. Wow. Just binged. Yeah, this weekend. I was like, yeah, let's do this. Why not? I'm I'm sitting around. I have nothing to do for a few hours. Let's go. I can't wait. I cannot wait. That that show is has really has me hype. And what it was was I was watching Visions. Whenever something new Star Wars comes out, it just again, then I just start rewatching everything <clears throat> over. And I'll watch something new that will then get me really excited or geeking out about an element of the force or a Jedi power that then I'll go back to. Visions did that for me, and it really, it really, again, rekindled everything that I love about Star Wars. But it was so different, guys. So let's get into Visions. Brian said it best on one of his episodes, just the last episode of United We Fan. Um, I can't remember exactly how Mark put it to you, Brian. So, like, again, I'm apologizing if I'm paraphrasing, but Mark asked what your opinion of it was, but if, if you liked it or if it was going to grow the Star Wars fan base. And I think the way that you put it was, if you like anime or you like Star Wars, you'll like Visions, but the show itself may not be growing or reaching any new people, per se. 
I, I would expect the overlap, the Venn diagram of anime fans and Star Wars fans to have a very large overlap. I can see a very small number of people of anime fans specifically um, not liking Star Wars, but I would expect a large majority of them to like Star Wars. It just kind of seems to have a lot of overlap there. I think it's going to introduce a lot of Star Wars fans to the world of anime rather than vice versa. I would anticipate most anime fans have already seen Star Wars and like it. So I don't know how much it's going to grow the world of Star Wars so much, because if you don't like either one of them, this isn't going to be the first one you're going to try. I you'll agree. Try, you'll try that. You'll, you'll well, try the child, the baby Yoda. I, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of like the younger generation that's getting back into anime, like, like old stuff, like one piece and hero academia and all that stuff. Like this yeah. could be bringing like a younger generation up to star Wars because you've got these different anime houses that did all these shorts that a lot of like younger kids know. You know, like like okay, you guys watch Batman Ninja. That's the that's the uh, the duel. That's the studio that did the duel. And then you got Production IG, which is, which did stuff like uh, Ghost in the Shell. They did the Night Jedi. So I think I think it's kind of like a, a give and take. It, it's not it's not just like okay, Star Wars fans getting introduced to anime. It's kids that like stuff like like Dragon Ball. Stuff like you watch the twins. That's pretty much like. OP Dragon Ball Shonen yeah. Jump type type anime where everybody's like, you know, they're they're in space without any damn helmets and they're freaking going through hyperspace cutting cutting the uh, <laughs> <laughs> cutting the Death Star. I mean, not Death Star, but it's the Star Destroyer in half. So during you know it's during during um, Disney Investor Day last year, they said Star Wars Visions was some of the top anime companies in the world, and that yeah. was not a that was not a lie. Then mm-hmm. I don't know these companies well enough to know how reputable these anime companies are. But what you're saying, Robert, is they're literally the top of the game. Some of them. Yeah. Some of them, I don't know, but like the, okay. I I know some of them from like stuff that I've watched in the past. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. The one critique guys that we, we try to stay as non-toxic as we can here. That was the, the founding principle of Babu's freaking podcast was no matter how we felt about something, whether we liked it or we didn't, that we would allow the discussion to just be thought provoking and open And, you know, like the last Jedi episode was the perfect sort of example of that. Something that has really polarized the community. We tried to approach from a very logical standpoint to say, let's discuss these film components in an adult manner and like keep our minds open to maybe change our minds as the panel discussed it. The one thing that really frustrated me was, I mean, you saw this almost immediately. And I don't know if it was the Star Wars community or who in the Star Wars community, if anyone wants to jump in on this and, and kind of feel this, but there were people who were like, I don't know if I like it. It's, it's too much of Japanese animation for me to like, there's too many, there's too many cultural things just like crammed <laughs> into star Wars. And I, I'm going to tell like, I kind of freaked out about that, but I don't, I don't want me to soapbox this. If anyone wants to jump on please, that, feel please. free. go ahead. The whole concept of a Jedi is, is inspired by a samurai. So come on with that. Come on, man. I yeah. you Dude. look at all these and, you know, that's that's what Lucas said to begin with was like, right. you know, th- a lot of these were modeled after Kurosawa movies. And yeah. you're starting to see that, especially with the duel is like straight out of like Yohimbo, basically. And you, to say that it's just so strange, it's almost like looking for something to not like. But at the, at the it's like they're honoring Star Wars while also honoring what Star Wars was honoring 
by right. honoring all of it. What, like what it's inspired, literally yep. the perfect meld. Like if if this had been created in a perfect you know bubble, this is what we would have gotten as live action originally for like the first Star Wars movie would have been like the duel. And everyone would have loved it and thought it was awesome. But it, it, that is very, I've never heard anyone say anything about that. So that's curious. No. Yeah, it was so crazy. The first two days after I, I waded into social media, it was a lot of Facebook and TikTok was the critique was it was too ethnic and it was too Japanese. And my clapback was, have you not watched Star Wars before? <laughs> this is the philosophy of Star Wars at its purest form, going back to almost the building block of where it came from which is Kurosawa, the Shogun, the Samurai. The Jedi are very reminiscent of, of that philosophy. I mean, there's so much of the Tao that is just infused in the concept of the Force, of these equal and opposite forces at work at always in the universe, balancing the universe out. And like the Asian influence is, has always been a part of the lore of Star Wars. Like, are you not watching so it just, it really frustrated me. Mike, did, did you see any of this toxicity or? I didn't. I, I tried to stay away from any of the reading, any of the, the responses. Cause I knew it was going to take me a little while to get into these. I, I had a lot going on over the past week. And so I didn't, I didn't actually finish all the episodes until this morning when I knew we were getting together. So I, I didn't I didn't see any of that coming back. I'm I'm curious to take a look now. I agree with you guys. I think that's all just trash. And anybody's putting out there, they're looking for reasons to troll and they clearly have not been paying attention yeah. when D- Darth Vader is a samurai. Pretty much, um yeah. it's it's just totally foolish. Um I think for me, I think, you know, I just think this series was not my cup of spotchka. Like <laughs> okay. I, I I tried, re- and I, I tried, in, in, in the immortal words of Samuel L. Jackson and Pulp Fiction, I tried real hard to be the shepherd. Like, I really, really wanted to like this. Yeah. And there were a couple of, there were a couple of the episodes that I got into, but I, I think, it, you know, Mark, you and I talked a little bit out, offline about this. Like, they, they kind of felt short of the concept for me. Again, not being toxic, I think there's some wonderful things, but if the concept was, here's nine totally original stories more than half of them didn't actually have endings um they were like pilot episodes for you know the the ongoing adventures of you know space princess and her sister rabbit you know it was like i I really was hoping for nice fully formed short narrative stories that you could just really be like yeah, I'm not going to love every chapter, but like, wow, I really loved the story that told. And they, they never really got past kind of the idea of being concepts for me. And so I, I, really, I really struggled trying to watch my way through all of these. And I figured maybe it's because I'm not the biggest anime fan. But then when I pushed harder, I was like, I just don't think that the writing was very good. I think the animation was very good. And I think that the concept of it was very good. But I just, I was like... You didn't hook me, guys yeah. and gals. I, I think that that's actually what got me to like it more was it was a bunch of – it was seven different studios' fresh take of, of what their thing was. And you, everybody had their – what they were viewing it as kind of their one chance to do Star Wars, for lack of a better term. And that's why in like six of the episodes there was the I've got a bad feeling about this because everybody knows that it belongs in Star Wars and it was their one chance to make that content. I, I'm, I'm glad – 
Cause there was, I, en- I really, really liked about half the show about the other half, three or four episodes I could have done without. But I think that's what made me keep going was, well, Hey, if I didn't like this one, I'm not invested yeah. into this one, this one that I, because it's star Wars content. I'm going to consume it, whether I really, really like it or whether I don't. So for me, the, I, I, I don't know if criticism is the right word, but I thought about it the same way Ruby did, but that's what actually made me enjoy it more than I think I expected to. One of the things that to echo that, or just to continue that thought for the ones that I didn't enjoy fully, Brian, I literally invested about 15, maybe 18 minutes of my life tops so that I didn't feel like my, my time and my energy was robbed with, with some of the narratives that did just, they didn't resonate with me. I didn't feel like it was a waste of my time because they were, they were shorts. Um, did any of you, and I want to talk about the format specifically, did any of you get the feeling with this that there was like an audition for, let's just say like, here's the pilot or the concept? Because I felt like some of these were tailor-made to like pitch Lucasfilm to say, pick this up, pick this show up. And there I were like three in particular that I was like, I, ooh. I felt like that with The Duel uh, and Night Jedi and pro- probably... And I know, Brian, you don't like it too much, but T.O.B. won. So maybe. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, I thought so. And I, th- I thought it was a setup with uh, Lop and Ocho, too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Robert, what you call T.O.B. won, I call Pinocchio B. won. <laughs> <laughs> Pinocchio in space. But I'm a real Jedi. Uh, I don't remember who it was. There were, uh, you guys probably know better than me, but so, somebody pitched something to Marvel and they were like, it might've been Chloe Jaw, but they were like, Oh, you know, we, we pitched them and they said, don't bring anything. And they ended up bringing their entire presentation anyway. And that's what got them the job. And I, I think this is kind of a similar thing where Disney was like, we want to do this, come up with, you know, 15 minutes of content. But every single one of those studios was saying, we need to come up with something that's so good that they want to call us and bring us back to do a full, full season for something yeah. like, let's write so that we do come back. So I don't think they were asked to do it, but you can tell that some of them were like, yeah, we've got a good idea here and let's see if they take the bait. The one thing I really liked, gentlemen, was regardless of what studio made the short, there was a very clear uh, common thread throughout all of them. It seemed like the lightsaber was the common cultural component of Star Wars that regardless of if it featured a droid, if it featured, uh, you know, like a, a rock band, that there was always a lightsaber component to the story itself. This was one of my favorite elements of it, that I felt like the mythos of the Jedi was expanded beyond what we already know from the Skywalker saga, that we were introduced to new force powers and force abilities, but also the lightsaber styles. Like I geeked out over the Katana blade, yellow lightsaber in, um, Oh man, that one was village bride. in the village bride. Yeah. That one was so cool. Yeah. So, um, your, just your take on the things that connected the series. What were the things that you just liked holistically for me? It was that I liked the mythos of the Jedi, like really just being on full display and I liked more so than the Jedi, I liked the complexities they offered to the Sith. And it seemed like the Sith were in playing center stage with most of these narratives more so than the Jedi. It was really cool to see them on full display. Mike? 
Yeah, I, I think I, I, I would agree. I liked seeing the different Jedi fighting styles that came out. I liked that there was... You could feel a sense of joy in all of these. Even if you didn't like what was going on, you could, you could definitely feel that whatever genre of, of anime they were going to go with their style of anime that the whoever made it just really embraced it and said, I'm, I'm going all in on Pokemon style. I'm going all in on, you know, Dragon Ball Z or Avatar style. Like they went all the, you know, I'm going all the way in on Akira style. Like they went all the way through. Um, I thought that was exciting. I, I liked that they, they took advantage of the fact that it's animation and created different and interesting characters like there were i thought there were a lot of humans for something that was star wars i thought we didn't get a lot of creatures but i thought we got a lot of interesting aliens like i like the the almost wookie-ish guy the kind of like uh kind of thundercats guy from ninth jedi yeah i i thought that it was going to be bizarre with with lop and ocho i actually loved lop i thought that was super fun uh i liked the droids i liked who knew that we were going to get a hut? I liked the rock star hut. Um, I thought that was I thought that I thought that was pretty awesome. Um, I take that episode was amazing. Yeah, amazing. I, yeah. Well, and his uh, uh, the the actor's name is escaping me. Who did the voice? He was on SNL for a number of years, and Bobby yeah, Moynihan. yeah, Bobby Moynihan. I mean, Bobby Moynihan, like. He kills me as as Panda and We Bear Bears. Like he's just he's he's gold doing voiceover. So I liked all that. I think if there's one thread that fell through and that I didn't like, if I have to give my one hot take, is couldn't they have done a better job with the opening theme? Like it was. <laughs> what, it you was, didn't it like was, the lightsaber ignition and and no, like, it was. Film? It was like we're gonna pay the studios to do all this amazing animation, and then we're gonna give you like if a high schooler made an intro for your Star Wars show. <laughs> It was like uh, it was like forgetting Sarah Marshall. I just make ominous tones. Um, um, <laughs> yeah, it was it, it was like we're spending all our money on the Mandalorian. Give the intern the visions intro. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, a common theme uh, holistically before we dive into specific episodes. Something that you just really enjoyed that that an overarching thing from one one series to another. For me, it was it was the lightsaber like you talked about. But for me, it was even more intricate than that. It was the kyber crystal. And I I nerd out over the kyber crystal. The fact that that became such a main point of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge when it came out with the holocrons and, and Savvy's lightsabers and everything. The kyber crystal and, and how, especially in the Ninth Jedi, how they, they show their allegiance, they change the color. Um, they could even change color while they're fighting, like stuff like that. The mythos of the Kyber crystal specifically was really cool that it could power that entire cannon on that twin uh, star destroyer to blow up a planet. Like all those kinds of things was really, really cool. The heart of the lightsaber is the Kyber crystal and how intricate it was to the rest of the, of the storytelling I thought was really, really neat. Bravo. Well said, uh, Robert, anything that overarching that really impressed you? Um, I know me, me, Brian, and Alex have talked about this a lot uh, a while back, but like the like the complexity of the Sith. That's like you were talking about earlier. Like they're not they're not all power hungry. They don't they're not trying to take over the galaxy or bring order. They just like dabble in the dark arts. You know, they they have they have some kind of flaws about them. They're, they're not completely evil. Like you see that with with the uh, the the Ronin in in the duel. He's just you know he still he still has good qualities. He just like 
dabbles in the dark arts. He he, he goes oh, about things not not. In I want to talk. I want to talk about that later. Remind me. I want to talk about that yeah. later. But he go he goes about things in like not so honorable way. Like he's but he still has good qualities. And even the, like the the last episode, I forget the name, but I I, I didn't like it so much. But like this, it's the same thing. Like he the the guy's just trying to save you know his his uh princess or whoever she is. Yeah. You know he. He he, you know, succumbs to the dark side for for one purpose. It's not it's not all out, full on corruption. You know, yeah. There's, there's intricacies was- to this to these Sith, where they're not really Sith. They were, I guess, like dark dark side force users. Yeah, which is pretty yeah. cool. Akakiri, I think, was the Akakiri. name. Of oh yeah, and 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 uh, uh, what's the other one? Um, with uh, David Harbor. The elder. Uh, yeah, the elder. Yeah, it's the same thing. He that guy just wants a good fight. He's not like trying to take over anything. He just you know <laughs> he's dark dark. He was amazing. Yeah. Dude, that that was one of my favorite components from the elder was the Sith. Mm-hmm. The dual wielding, like this ancient Sith who in the midst of combat, while he's getting defeated, is kind of like still talking, you know what? Mm-hmm. If I were younger, I could take you out. I was like yeah, this is he amazing just, right now. He just wants a good fight. He's he's not he's not trying to be all you know. <laughs> he was, yeah, he's on like this galactic quest to just right. fight, kill people. <laughs> Super Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. I love it, Alex. Anything before we get into the specifics? Just overarching thing that really just stood out that you loved. Yeah, the you know the lightsabers were, but I, I'd say real quick that the the just the anime tropes and the the way that they were able to weave them into Star Wars lore. So you've got like like with the lightsabers, the fact that most samurai and in that culture swords are so respected, and so you see them carrying a reverence for the sword in every episode where they're just slowly sheathing it or pulling it out with care. But then you get like the episodes where they're going, "I'm going to do my best," and it's like that's literally from anime or the one where you've got like the rock show, which is like from the the school yeah. festival in my hero so they're able to like tie these anime tropes to star wars it makes so much sense because again it's like they're honoring each other it's, it was just so cool yeah i again i mean if i didn't like the show I, i've watched it in its entirety I've, I've done two viewings and the episodes that i really loved three one i watched four times because i just loved it so much that the ninth jedi i i just watched that one so much and we'll talk about this later, but we'll have a chance to, to make our plea to the Star Wars gods to say, like, please give me this one mm-hmm. in perpetuity. I need this one. And we'll get to that later on. But guys, let's get right. So let's get right into it and kind of break these down episode by episode, getting some reactions and some style things that we like. or just commenting on the narrative or, you know, what worked and maybe even a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Anthony asked us. You know, when he listens tomorrow to this in an audio version, which again, we're available on everywhere you can find your podcast to kind of give him a top three consensus that, you know, we can send our viewers who may not have seen all the visions or are worried about delving into the world of anime, kind of a, a cheat sheet to say, here's what was good. Here's what was bad. Or here are the ones that like, if you were a fan of Star Wars, you have to do regardless of how you feel about anime. So let's get into the duel. I know that Robert, uh, you said, and Alex said, this was your favorite one that yeah. you guys really enjoyed this one. So the duel is essentially, and again, it's, it's one of those tropes. You have a wandering stranger who has a mysterious past. He's defending a village from powerful bandits. And then during the epic battle, his real past and his real destiny is revealed. And it was a shocking moment. 
So let's just let's talk about the episode style wise first. The black and white guys really yeah. worked for me. Super effective, save for the laser beams and the lightsaber blades. Everything else was black and white. It was almost like it was sketch art as if, it, um, forgive me for being so simplistic. It was like, take on me, Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's got the film grain, just like those old samurai movies too. Like if you look close enough, you can see like the little hairs and stuff and the little blips and dust and stuff in, in the film. Like it, it's it's really good. Like they really mimic like these old, old timey, like uh, samurai movies. It, it is what the animation of this one is what prevents it from being my favorite. I'm going to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. I just the lights, the lights being the only thing in color. It, it's the only thing that makes it my second favorite. Uh, other than that, I, I, I just, I didn't love the animation. I, I picked up on what Robert was talking about, like the specs and everything. It just wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Mike, it was what I expected. I mean, I think I think I think this was a good first episode because I feel like it set the tone really well. I, it had a very, you know, it had a very Japanese feeling to it. It had the it had the sense of humor. It had the sense of honor with the battles. It it felt like the classic samurai story, but it also had some really great Star Wars twists, like yeah. like the droid with the, with the bamboo hat. And right. like the, you know, the, 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 the stormtroopers popping in there and, you know, probably one of the, the most iconic visuals that came out of all the trailers, it had, uh, you know, the villain with the, the, the weird multi-pronged umbrella that made the lightsaber turn Sith into Mary Poppins, y'all. Sith <laughs> Mary Poppins, y'all. I mean, spoonful of lightsaber helps the medicine go down. Like it was, it was cool. <laughs> But they, this showed you that Lucasfilm knew what they had. They they were very strategic with putting this one first and putting the ninth Jedi right in the middle because they got you hooked immediately and then they kept you going by the time you might have lost steam in the middle of it. So they knew what their top two were and they, they got it off. I loved the umbrella. Like I thought it was really, really cool. When he pulled out, Mark, you talked about it. When he pulled out that red lightsaber, you're like, Oh crap. Like I did. I oh, but, yeah. but Robert, but Robert brought this up earlier and this is what I'd like to jump to the end of the episode. If I can, Robert, I, I wasn't positive. He was a Sith. Like none of this is officially Canon so they can play with the mythos. However they wanted to in this one. I just saw it as the same reason Anakin fought with a blue lightsaber at the end of, of revenge of the Sith episode three, where it hadn't changed color yet because he didn't make the Kyber crystal bleed. Like, I just assumed he was going out killing Sith and then taking the Kyber crystals. Were you under the influence? He was operating I, through the dark side of the force. I was, I was that at first, but after a second rewatch, he he freaking uses the force to catch the uh, the antagonist blade in his yeah. hands. So at first, I thought he was just like a Ronin going around taking out Sith and keeping their Kyber crystals. But you know, after the rewatch, I saw him do that. Use the force. So I'm like, okay, so he must be. If not, if not a Sith, then like maybe maybe an acolyte or or uh, uh, you know something dark side. I, right. I, I, guess so, I watch it with that mentality. Yeah. yeah. So what about what about this though, gentlemen? And again, anyone who wants to jump in to the to this follow up question, it's really just here to spur some discussion. What what if he's not a dark side user in, in that same respect where he's not a Sith, but in order to defeat his enemy, the way in which he has to defeat the enemy, he does have to channel the dark side. Right. It's the only uh, because Jedi Jedi are not you know they, they're supposed to be defensive minded save for Mace Windu who channels the dark side mildly 
hence his purple saber, which is a mixture of the, of the red and the blue. In order to, to defeat these Sith so handily, he has to embrace that dark side and strike down his opponent sometimes in anger in order to win the duel. That's how I read it. Am I wrong or? No, I like, I like that. That's what I'm saying. There's, there's complexities to these guys. It's not just like good and bad. And I like, I like that gray area, you know? Yeah. So Yeah. I'm I, mean, sorry, I think he's got to be dark side all the way. I mean, it's, again, if you, if you look at Western tropes, which, which Star Wars is a mixture of samurai and Western in a lot of respects, you know, Clint Eastwood's characters in most of his movies, he's not a good dude. He's morally, yeah. he's, he's not just more morally ambiguous. Like he's a killer. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the whole fistful, the whole fistful of dollars, good, bad, and the ugly all the way up to unforgiven. He's a stone cold killer and he's, he's not apologetic for it. And so I, I had, I was a nice surprise, but looking back on it, it makes all the sense in the world that like, maybe he's not to, to, to your point earlier, Maybe he's not out to take over the universe and power hungry the way this Sith is, but this is not a good guy. I, I, I like that. And to your point, Mike, like he doesn't step in until until the uh uh you know Mary Poppins comes out. He doesn't do anything. <laughs> this whole this whole thing, like the villages, you know, the the, the the raiders come in and they're fighting and everything. He doesn't step in until she, you know, deflects a bolt blast and it blows up that tea shop. He does he doesn't do anything at all. He just watch it. So yeah. Right. Even when it drove, it drove right past him. He knew what was in it. Mm-hmm. To the earlier point, they they knew the order that they wanted. This was perfectly placed as the first episode of the series. I felt like the creators knew which episodes to put where. I I can't complain uh, as to where anything came in the order. I don't quite understand why that last episode was the last episode. I thought it was a little weak for the end of the series to end on that note. Um, but it was the one that. I mean, and, and Robert kind of said this, it was the one that made you kind of scratch your head a little bit about him fulfilling the prophecy of, you know, kind of falling victim to, you know, him by doing the actions that he did, he kind of set in motion everything that he knew that was, that was there to be his destiny. But I thought that was a really weak visual to end on that. Other than that, I thought everything was perfectly placed. This had to be the first episode of the series. The duel had to be yeah. visually stylistically. It was everything that we expected. Plus we had gotten teased with that amazing Mary Poppins lightsaber and they, they didn't wait. They gave it to us right away, right out the bat. I don't think we heard from Alex on this one and he said it was his yeah. favorite. I'd love to hear from Alex. Yeah. I, yeah. I, uh, I loved it and kind of echoing all the things you said, but the antagonist was just so cool. And again, when I was buzzing through IMDb to find out that Lucy Liu is the one who's doing the voice of it was like, oh, that is so cool. And then when she takes her uh, her robe off and her hair is just huge, I was like, oh, this is just so cool. Like, this is so out there. And then when they were uh, fighting on the log and the music was like a mixture yes. of dual, it was like a new duel of the fates that added in anime chanting because that same sort of stuff shows up whenever the villain shows up and it's like, ah, and so them fighting, but then her using the force to move the log to block the, that was the cool. uh, waterfall. Uh, you talked about two of like cool new ways of using the force. I thought that was fantastic. Um, and yeah, I guess same in the villain category. I don't think, 
he, I don't think he's a Sith in that sense where, you know, we're not going to put a label on it. Like, I don't think he calls himself a Sith or ever thought he was one, yeah. but he probably uses other areas of the force that a Sith would use in order to live a peaceful life is kind of how I saw it. Cause he's yeah. just wandering around. He has a droid that he clearly cares for and no Sith or bad guy would ever care about a droid. So I, I, I liked that though. And I like that he never really joined in right away and he kind of walks slow everywhere. But that, we forgot to mention too, I love the little kid that uh, runs the town. And I just love that, you know, he's so brave and he stands up and then everyone, the town kind of can take care of themselves. And Rob, we had talked about that at one point too, of like, yeah. you know, in the Kurosawa movies, you need the Ronin to show up to protect the town. And I like that they didn't really need him. They only needed him once, you know, I, did she have a name? I don't remember. I don't recall. Yeah. They, like, they did a cutaway. I don't know if you guys noticed it. They did a cutaway when they asked how she was the chief. And they did the cutaway of the dead body in the in the one house. I thought it was yeah, just, I, you know, I'll pose that. I was trying to. I thought it was just that he was sick. Yeah, it was sick. Yeah, it was dead. I, I couldn't tell if they sick. were showing him dead or not, but I, I really liked that. I was like, okay, cool. So he's stepping in for his dad, but these guys are making fun of him. Like again, classic anime of you know they they're underestimating him and they're going to pay the price for it, and they do. She is only known as the bandit leader. She does not the have bandit him. leader. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, and her whole costume, the getup was just frightening yeah. and then totally cool. Her Cruella hair. This is yeah. one this is one narrative that again, if they decide to bring back more of that story, I would be all in for it. I would love to see Sith Hunter Extraordinaire have more adventures, even in the take on me, Brian style of of animation. I would I would obviously still watch it. So. I had uh, I thought too, you know, it'd be cool because the whole thing is taking place in like feudal Japan. But you know that in Star Wars canon, that like everyone's at a different status in that technology type of area, and so it would be cool to see like in the future him get picked up and taken to Coruscant, and then but Coruscant be animated like some hyper futuristic sort of kind of Akira Ghost in the Shell type of animation, oh, yeah. where he's the the old timey samurai in there fighting all that. Like oh, that would just be so cool. Yeah. Now this this one was one of my favorites. I again would like to see this one continue. I know that I'm going to be the only one to say this, probably of the second episode. <laughs> but episode two, which was Tattooing Rhapsody, is one of low key my favorite episodes. And like, let the collective uh come out right now. Um, so Tattooing Rhapsody to me was fun. It was light. Right after the very stylistic and heavy. Duel, this one had was a little bit more jocular. It had a lot more light and airy components to it. There was some humor to it. Um, but it's about a band with big dreams, and they have to save one of their bandmates from the scourge of the galactic underworld while trying to elude one of the greatest bounty hunters also in the galaxy. I like the way it started, where he gets discovered by a descendant of the Huts or one of the Hut clan. And unlike the rest of the Huts, his crime is he doesn't want to accept his place in the galaxy. He just wants to jam, man. He just wants to slap a debase. And so because of, because of that, Jabba the Hutt employs Boba Fett to like go and bring him back and then put him on execution for basically rejecting his family lineage. And then the band assembles to like save him. Robert was saying this didn't work for him. In the truest sense, he didn't like... You just didn't feel Boba, right? What was it about this episode that just didn't work for you? I I thought it was kind of corny. I mean, I, I, well, it I, was. I, 
I see what you're talking about, like with 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 the the you know, whatever his name is, the the hut, and this is the same thing with that Jedi kid. He he's, you know, he he flees he's Order sixty six. Yeah, he's neglecting his Jedi like right abilities. Right, he, like, they'd, they'd, they'd rather you know they'd rather be in a band than than be a Jedi. He like flees Order sixty six, and you know he doesn't doesn't even try. The only time he tries is when they try to you know take take his his buddy back. I, I did like the, I did like the animation style. I liked the you know that that chibi style kind of animation. I just didn't like the story so much. It, it looked it looked nice. It looked yeah. cool. I just couldn't you know. Did you see animated Bib Fortuna? I could have lived the rest of my life without <laughs> seeing that. Well, <laughs> dude, he looked better than he did in Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> Big Fortuna. So <laughs> this is before he started packing on the pounds, at least. But his eyes were. He haunt was my, haunt my dreams. He was terrifying. Yeah, like the only thing I I laughed at this one was was Jabba just patting his tail to the music. Uh, like yeah. that was funny, <laughs> but Robert said it. It was corny. It just didn't work for me. I love Tamora Morrison. I need that voice anywhere I can get it, but it yeah. just didn't work for me. That Joseph was the only Gordon part that Levitt. worked was Boba Fett. That was it. Joseph Gordon Levitt flexing no. the pipes. I didn't singing? even know it was him. Yeah, I didn't yeah. realize it was him either. No. Yeah, I knew it was Bobby Moynihan as Geezer, which again, not a very Star Warsy name. Geezer the Hut, <laughs> Geezer yeah. the Hut. Man, that base is that base is pretty epic. She's a good band. Yeah. I also thought it was flashing back in time and not forward in time. Like it would have made a lot more sense that the lead singer becomes a Jedi, kind of like Justin Timberlake. He leaves NSYNC and then becomes the Jedi. But no, it flashed <laughs> forward. It just didn't work for me. So, am I the only one that really liked this episode? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, okay. I didn't it hate was, it. I mean, but I didn't like it either. It was, it was my least favorite, favorite of all of them. Yeah, it I, it, okay. It wasn't right. my. It wasn't my least favorite. I, 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 I thought there were parts that were fun. I liked. I think the things that I liked were the things that felt like real Star Wars. Like most of these episodes did not bring in pre-existing characters or settings, and so I think what I liked about this was seeing familiar characters and familiar settings and it's like i got a kick out of seeing the concert at bunti eve i was like now that's pod racing like that was fun but um and you know bib, bib fortuna and and seeing boba and and jabba like i thought that was fun but you know i, I think i agree with the and the corniness didn't bother me either i think i agree with the rest of the guys though that the story just didn't do anything for me. And then when it was like, they're going to rock and you expect they're going to be awesome. And then the song is kind of lame. <laughs> yeah. It's like an anime song, though. That's like how the, the songs are in the anime shows. Right? Yeah, but like, K, like standard K-pop is better than that. Like it was like, <laughs> well, this was like a what if episode. Yeah. What if Jabba the Hutt became a Patreon of a band? Yeah, you know? <laughs> that's what this was. That's that's what the, since I'm the only one also that liked it, guys. Let's move on and get to stuff that's got a lot more meat for the panel. I just wanted to say I did enjoy Tatooine Rhapsody. I'm gonna give it props, but let's not waste good time on an episode that a lot of us did not really dig. Uh, because many of us did dig episode three, which was the twins, twins born of the dark side clash atop a massive star destroyer. End of story, <laughs> synopsis. Yeah. No, Did any everybody? I assume watch this in the English dub. Nobody watched the Japanese version with the subtitles. We all watched the English dub. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I I loved having Barney Stinson live out his Star Wars dreams of Neil Patrick Harris being this rogue Sith Lord or whatever they were. And Allison Brie was these two voice castings were my favorite of the entire show. 
I really, really enjoyed this one. Like Robert said it earlier, like they're in space without helmets and it just is what it is. Yeah. But the twin star destroyer with that cannon in between, just all of that visually was really, really cool. I don't know how our duo can, can fly the X wing upside down while he can just stay cling to it. And I don't care. I thought it was really cool. It had really cool kyber crystal stuff in it. The fact that we got the expanding lightsaber that could cut through the other lightsaber that she had coming out of her super armor. Like I was all for it, man. I thought it was awesome. She grew a few arms. Yeah. And she grew a few arms in the middle of the yeah. fight. Mm-hmm. again, like this one really worked for me. It was the perfect blend of the anime and the star Wars for me, where it was just kooky enough. And I just didn't care. I just wanted to see cool stuff. Mm -hmm. This is like, this was like, I was saying Shonen jump, uh, one punch man, ridiculous, uh, ridiculous fights. But unlike, unlike uh, other animes, it didn't take forever. Like it didn't drag on like six episodes in one fight. So that was cool. Which is why the timing of all these episodes was good. It was 12 yeah. to 18 minutes, get in, get it done, and you're done. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, I really like, too, as the episode opens up, and I was trying to catch it. Almost all the episodes start like Star Wars does in the stars and then kind of pans down. And this was one of the few ones where it was, but you immediately see the black shadow of the Star Destroyer. And I forgot even on my second viewing, but it's like the second Destroyer's there, and they've got the connector. And I was like, oh, that's because it's the twins. And then when you, the next shot is inside and it's two two similar hallways connected to each other and i was like oh like the the duality within this episode was just so cool to see but it really felt like another what if episode of what if luke and leia or i guess what if padme had been manipulated by the emperor prior to having her kids kind of the same way that you know in charles sewell's run he kind of worked with shmi in that sense but like what if luke and leia were in the dark side and i thought that was cool i didn't realize it till the end but i'm like oh that's luke and leia like they're twins and they're they're lightsabers so that whole bit was was just amazing yeah was, wasn't the ship called the gemini too yep yes okay cool yeah. yeah yeah mike any commentary that you have on the twins or anything that just again stood out to you what you liked about it or no i don't i don't want to take too much time from the panel i think i'm the minority on this one that like i just i just wasn't feeling this one i i love allison brie i found her her performance to be really irritating <laughs> through it throughout this and i really like her i just i had a i had a tough time connecting with this one so um, I'll, I'll leave it at that. She britted it. It was come her. to me. Kyber crystal. <laughs> it was her blonde hair. That's all that it was. So guys, here's my only comment on the twins, but like Brian said, it was so, it was so like over the top and crazy. It was the equivalent of jumping the shark with force powers. It I, took the third time I watched it to have a positive opinion. I'm going to be honest. You can't explain like how all of a sudden, like he has, a lightsaber the size of like a death star beam and he's blasting off into hyperspace while holding on to the hull and Ronaldo, he, baby i mean it was it was crazy i wouldn't even say like you can't even consider this and and put it in with any in league with anything else because the stuff that was happening in this episode was clearly so outside of anything ca- canonical that it just was it was crazy but I somehow still enjoyed it. Mike is very valid. Upon the third watch of this one, Alice and Bree did start to grate a little bit. But again, I did geek out at the fact that Neil Patrick Harris got to live out his Star Wars dreams. And I thought it was really cool. I, wouldn't, I would not say no to a continuation of this story either. That I like the way it's set up for a potential return if there's another season of Visions. 
So good stuff. All right, guys. Episode four was weird to me. Uh, episode four is the village bride, a Jedi on the run, finds refuge in a remote village, which is now under threat, forcing her to come to terms with her own path and destiny and accept her future. Uh, this was for me, Prima Nocta, Jedi style. I know, I know that, I know that the guy wasn't like going to take her and do awful things, but it smacked of the scene from Braveheart when they roll up on William Wallace's wife and they're like, all right, we're going to take you. Right. And he's like, I'm having none of it. And they started the ruckus. <laughs> I got Braveheart vibes. Mike, why don't you start off with the village bride? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And then again, I think I got distracted by things. I just think I needed to just say, look, if things aren't going to make sense, it's not quite Star Wars. And it's not quite anime. It's in the middle. I think the the uh, the bride saying I'm I'm going to take one for the team, and her flipping out that her sister wanted to save her. I was like, can't we all just get along here? Like, come on! Like, it's just so their, their relationship was so frustrating to me that I, I had a tough time rooting for anybody other than obviously you know take down the bad guys. Yeah, Hel- helmet man. Great shot, kid. That was one in a million. Yeah, I'm right. just gonna fling totally my helmet awesome. off the mountain, have it land. Then he gets it back perfectly. Yeah, yeah. got the exact same helmet back. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah, crazy funny. to me. It's funny too, and I, I get the cultural significance of being like, I'm gonna sacrifice myself for the village. But when you're going on and on being like, I'm gonna take the place of my grandfather, who he could be dead in ten years, we don't know, or five years, and she's you know young, she can live like. Why not just take the grandfather? If they only want one person, give them that one. Like, go ahead. We're good. Like, why, why, why didn't the bad guys? Yeah, well, and why didn't the bad guys, like, they could have also just killed grandpa. Like, what? This is, why are they negotiating with terrorists at all? <laughs> yeah. Dormammu, I have come to bargain. Yeah. But her lightsaber was sick. And that her whole, lightsaber that was more nice when she says, I am a Jedi. And just... I was, I was like, is she going to be able to do it? And then, boom, she's there, cuts his hand off right away. I was like, oh, yes. So that she, end, the ending was worth the beginning. That was know? cool. She's got, the Jedi, cool. she's got the Jedi PF flyers. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I loved, loved that lightsaber so much. That was my favorite lightsaber from the show by a lot. The Galaxy yellow. Edge, yeah. Galaxy's Edge, if you're listening, please make that lightsaber. Yeah. 100%. I will pay for it. a dark saber, basically. I was all about it. Uh, Robert, would it, any, any commentary on episode four on the Village Bride? I just like the end, just like what Brian was talking about. It drug on too long. It's just, it's just like a lot, of, a lot of anime shorts. If you guys watch like uh, Gotham Knight or or uh, Animatrix, it just went on too long, and you're just like, okay, this is boring. You just like, like get on with it. And the beginning was awkward. Yeah, the yeah. beginning was really awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, I so didn't really Rob- understand. I didn't understand or see how the beginning fit with the right. greater narrative of the story where they were doing, I don't know what they were doing on the planet, but they had like the blue, they activated some kind of like power within the, the planet mm-hmm. itself and like the blue orb engulfed the planet. And then all of a sudden it was like, we're at a wedding. I'm up. Yeah. It that? had nothing, it had nothing to do with like, like you, you think it'd be something like some like Gaia moment or something like that, but it, it wasn't that at all. Yeah. It was well, weird. memory. Yeah. It was just, it was awkward. It, it felt like it was, it was almost like too, 
two different stories or two different narratives than, than were crammed into one. And like I said, then the weird thing for me was then I just got like the prima nocta vibes from, from Braveheart where we have a wedding ceremony, but there's all the sadness surrounding the ceremony because she's going to be taken away the next day. And I'm like, what's going on here? But then the end really did redeem it. This is one that I will fast forward through three quarters of it just to yep. see just the to bad see guy. Yep. Yeah, just to yeah. see the bad guys roll up in that fight. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I, got, and I got to thank Robert for for validating that it, it's definitely just because I don't like the style of anime that I'm probably not digging some of these because I was like, why am I so bored through most of these? And it's like, <laughs> if that's the style, then they nailed it and they nailed it good. And I'm just going to go sit back, sit back in the corner like those uh, like like the folks at the little hookah pipes in on Tatooine. And mind my business. One last thing about this one is I did really like seeing a good overhead shot of another type of Corellian starfighter. I thought that, oh, that, yeah. that ship was really, really cool. It was kind of sad to see it go up in flames. That thing yeah. went up like a tinderbox. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, yeah. you kill the mothership and you take them all out. So, so uh, this is Dwayne saying his son, Brady, really likes visions, but he's also very huge on anime. Yeah, see, and that's that's to Brian's yeah. point. If you're if you're a fan of anime, I really think that this was, you know, this was right up your alley. You have to be predisposed to like anime. You know, um, Alex said there's a lot of tropes that are in this series that pay homage to and harken back to these studios and what they've already done. So if you like anime, you will be predisposed to like visions. But gentlemen, I think, I think an okay. episode, the next episode, yeah, you don't like anime. You're going to like I was just going to, you took the words right out of my mouth. That episode five, you don't have to like anime to enjoy it. Um, The Ninth Jedi, in my opinion, was auditioning for more episodes. If there was a pilot that would emerge from Visions, to me, clearly I think the Ninth Jedi is auditioning for Lucasfilm to say, make more of this story. It was the most complete story. It was the one that had the most cohesive narrative. It was the one that had the most complexity to it. The daughter of a lightsaber smith is pursued by dark forces on her mission to deliver lightsabers to the last Jedi in the galaxy who are trying to reform and create another Jedi council. Um, just really quick before I kick it to you guys, what I like the action again, the story was really cohesive. I was invested in this. It had nice surprises and you can talk about some of the surprises if you will. But Brian alluded to this before too. We got a lot of, we got just a lot of great things coming from the kyber crystals and the lightsabers and force powers. Even homeboy that was like rocking the the Sith attitude, and then like all the other Sith fade away, and he's like, oh oh oh, I'm sorry, I, I lost my mind there for a minute. <laughs> he just like deactivates his blades, like my bad. It went purple, though. I mean, yeah. in his defense, he kind of showed visually that he was changing sides. My well, bad, my bad, y'all. I, I, I that as was like they they planted him in with them, and he had kind of been investigating on behalf of the Margrave that because uh, he kind of goes into that backstory too. But yeah, that was I mean, everything about this was just so cool, and that that really got into the the Kyber lore in a sense because I know yeah. I had thought about it for a minute. We mentioned it here of like well, you can't just make, get a red lightsaber. Like you have to bleed the crystal, but then it's like, oh yeah, but remember what he said, like he modified these Kyber crystals to do that. And so that idea 
was so cool to me. Like I would love to see that in a movie. And the fact that the little girl, she, she goes from the clear when it turns to green, like you get the goosebumps and it's like, Oh my gosh, this is, but then same thing when all of the lightsabers go red, you're like, Oh no. And uh, just the color schemes with that, like no words are said, no words are needed. And so much is conveyed through just color. Yeah. And you're, you're just like the rest of the quote unquote Jedi throughout the episode of the Margrave looks like a bad dude. Like you don't expect the Margrave to be who the Margrave turns out to be. turns out Kara has known him her entire life. Simu Lu, like Shang-Chi. I can't remember her dad's name, but the Sabersmith has known him throughout their life. And you just assume that they're just, they don't know what they're doing. It turns out he's probably the most capable Sabersmith definitely left in the galaxy for sure. But when all those lightsabers turn on and they're all red and you're like, Oh, this is not good. And then you've got Ethan, the main, the main guy that shows up at the beginning, like the story just played out so perfectly. They play the Margrave's message. So you understand what's going on. Just the way the episode moves, mining the Kyber crystals from space. It was all just really cool. It's a world. I would love to see a whole show take place. Do you get any vibes of uh, Pokemon, the first movie of them going to his place and like not knowing who the leader is and, you know, him being there the whole time. My wife said the exact same thing. Yeah. Robert, you said you loved this episode. Yeah. What was it it that stood out to you? Uh, Just the whole concept, like, like being on a planet where it looks like, you know, like, like Saturn. So it looks like the moon, was probably where you had kyber crystals and they all got crushed and smashed into the orbit. So like, like they're they're like shooting like fishing lines out there and just grabbing grabbing kyber crystals out of orbit. Pretty cool. All the hilts that he made, the Sabersmith made. Like Production IG is probably my favorite studio as far as anime goes because they make the show called Ghost in the Shell, uh, standalone complex. And the animation style is really good. It's like the the, the merging of two D and three D. Like like the speeder chase it was amazing. Oh man, yeah. You know, like. Yeah, top notch. That when speeder you, chase was I, I I was invested in that and the the animation style and the way it was shot and the angles from which they they animated that was just it was gorgeous. It well, was this, really gorgeous. This one actually told a real story. Like I I think I was a little annoyed at the end when it was definitely left when it was left so open ended. I really wanted it to to, to have some closure, but. I, this one by far just had the best storytelling. It did the best job of creating tension within the chase. It did the best job of creating mystery of who these characters were. It did the best job of like, who cares if they dumped, you know, a minute and a half of exposition on you at the beginning after that, you were totally in. And you know, this is star Wars where you are, this is a film that starts with reading, <laughs> right? So you yeah. know, cinema sins, number one, ding reading. Like it's, you I, I thought that, that this was the one that was bold enough to say, you know what, we're going to create our own lore here and you're going to, you, we're going to take you in on it and we're going to actually build some tension around what's going on. And it worked. I, I thought it was super, super cool. To that point though. And Alex just said this, we were invested in this, that when her blade goes from clear to green, we were invested in her in only 10 minutes time. We were rooting for her. And I think a lot of that was because the writing was so strong with this episode. Whereas some of these other episodes focused more on the style and just kind of setting up a, um, you know, an homage or a vibe. This one was more concerned with let's get the audience invested in this story. Let's get them invested in these characters. She had that wonderful goodbye with her father, who was the Sabersmith. 
there were elements that then got you invested in her narrative specifically, but then also in the Margraves, also in these other characters, these peripheral characters. This was the one that I said, I, Lucasfilm, please, I need more of this story. I don't care if it's in a second season of Visions. I'm hoping it's in something more than that. It's also yeah. the longest episode, too. It was. It was 20... 22 minutes. Yeah, I was going to say. So this, this one unanimously was, I think, and Brian kind of said this before, purposefully put in the middle of the season that if you had lost your way with the Tattooing Rhapsody, I was still in by Tattooing Rhapsody. I started to just question what I was watching a little bit with the, the Village Bride. And then five came and I'm like, and I'm back. Right. And, and I'm back. So, all right, gentlemen, Brian's clear <laughs> favorite, excuse me as I cough. <laughs> Episode six, uh, T.O.B. one, Pinocchio in space, a cybernetic boy dreams of becoming a Jedi and discovers the incredible truth about his creator. Brian, go ahead, man. You have the floor. Uh, I, I will seed. I will take Ruby's lead. Uh, I didn't care for the animation. I didn't like Geppetto or whatever his name was. Mega Man. Yeah. yeah I was That's thing. what he looked like. Uh, yeah, he did look like Mega Man. It just, Pinocchio B1 Kenobi, man. Like, it's, it's really what it was. I didn't care for it. Going back to the ninth Jedi, I also think Four Nines was my favorite droid within all of these episodes, too. So that was a big part of it. I loved the the space pirate pilot that took him to space and he's the only one that could that, that one did droids. Well, TOB one, it just did not, did not work for me. And that's all I will say. Gentlemen, anyone, anyone who would like to jump in, I don't have much kind to say about TOB one. If there's an episode that I have skipped, I've watched it twice, but I, that's it. I'm done. I watched it a second time to think, was I just being cruel to this? And then I watched it the second time. I was like, nope, I'm not. How did I not see the Mega Man comparison? Mega yeah, Man. Perfect. I loved this episode. Oh, really? no. Yeah. I, All right, uh, yeah, go ahead. You have. You when have it started out, it was a little corny, but I, I saw it for what it was. I was like, okay, here's another anime of, you know, you getting the Mega Man, you're getting the, the kid who wants to be a real boy. So I didn't even catch the Pinocchio in it. It was over my head, I guess. But, you know, as it's getting there, there was a part where I will say it, it jumped a lot in time and didn't tell you. And so you had to figure it out where it was like, he says, you know, okay, you've got to go hunting for a kyber crystal. And then the next scene is him, you know, build, finding that ship and it was like wait what but by the end of it i don't know what came over me but when he is fighting the the sith i got really emotional when i was watching it because he's he's a droid and the like this is the first droid that we've ever seen become a jedi and and so cool to think that like even a droid could be strong in the force we get to see him use force powers and again those classic anime tropes of him never giving up and and continuing to fight but then the droids are all helping him and when they start dying he freaks out but when they, you know when it's over and all the droids come over the hill and he gets the little okay sign that he's alive i just started like i love that whole bit of it and the fact that he was carrying on the professor's legacy of, you know, basically seeding planets to make them be alive again, I thought was so cool. Uh, so there was a lot about it where I was like, it didn't make sense to me why I liked it, but there's just something about it emotionally that I just thought was so cute and powerful. Listen, bro, I can't even hate that because here I was a few episodes ago 
dying on the hill of Tatooine Rhapsody. Right, yeah. yeah. And you you guys were like, yo, that was corny. I'm like, it was, but I loved it. And I don't know why I loved it, but I loved it. It was so good. The lightsaber fight was awesome when he's fighting. And then, like, he gets his hand stabbed through it and has to rip his whole arm off. Like, that probably hurt a little bit, even though he's a droid. Or maybe it didn't. I don't know. But uh, I thought it was really cool. All right, man. (laughs) It's cute. Anybody, Anybody else? Yeah, this is like what Alex was saying about the anime trope. This is like a, a big anime trope as far as like, like I guess like what Brian was saying, like Pinocchio, you got like Astro Boy and Mega Man, stuff like that. So, yeah. Almost immediately when I saw it, I was like, this is Mega Man. Mm-hmm. It, seemed like Ruby, it seemed like Ruby kind of liked this one. It was cute. I, I, I liked it more than others. Wow. I, I, it's not, not, no, not my, yeah, I, I liked it better than the twins. Right. I mean, if we're talking about, you know, episodes that go on a big stretch, I liked it more than the twins liked it more than the village bride. That's a hot take. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'll, 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 I'll take a journey of, of enchantment and wonder with space Geppetto. <laughs> also, I, I feel like a kid would love this. This would be like their favorite episode. Yeah. That's yeah. right. That's why I said it could, it could be developed into a series. Like, when you were asking, I think kids kids would like this. Yeah. Here here's a take, and I and I think everyone would agree. I will take this infinitely over droids, over Star Wars droids. I will take this narrative any day. Oh yeah, yeah. That's- so and the and the droid based episodes that we got from Clone Wars, Brian's already gotten that rant of mine that whenever it was a droids based episode. Over in the Clone Wars, I was like, yeah. I'm out straight right. away. I would go like work in the kitchen or do something while all that nonsense was going on. And I'm like, are we going to get back to Anakin and Ahsoka and Obi-Wan soon? Because I could care less what's going on in the side quest with R2-D2 and these other astromechs right now. How Please. dare you treat R2-D2 like that? I'm sorry, man. You know, I, I love me some R2, but that was some nonsense. Yeah, that's. All I, think <laughs> I think it's also weird, like trying to, you know, and I, I think thinking about some of the droids that like I'm a fan of. And I know that, 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 that Brian is I think part of one of the reasons it's hard to wrap your head around like cutesy D2 here is because most of the droids in the, in the star Wars universe, they're, they're not cute. Yeah. You know, even be like BB eight, like has got attitude. Even he's probably, you know, he and Dio are like the cutest droids probably in like the live action. And they're, they're a little prickly, right? R2, R2, you know, that R2 would, you know, would flip off another robot. I yeah. think he does with regularity. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're, they're not messing around and yeah. I, I, yeah. BD one from Jedi fallen order is like the only droid I would put in the cute category, oh, yeah. uh, but BD one's a, a cool droid, but I just, he doesn't have force powers. It just, yeah. I can see, I can see what Alex is saying. It just isn't for me. Yeah. That's fair. All right, gentlemen. So if the ninth Jedi was my one, this next episode was my one a, which is episode seven, the elder, uh, it's about a Jedi and a Padawan who track dark forces to a small village located on the Outer Rim, only to stumble upon an ancient and long-forgotten foe. Uh, I'm just going to say David Harbour for Jedi Master in something, anything. David Harbour, period. David he, Harbour is a national treasure. He really is a national treasure. He was so like chill, cool, calm, and collected. I feel like he was the Jedi on Xanax or something. That he popped some zannies and was floating around the galaxy and was just <laughs> so monotone. So yeah, like, that's that's another like popular anime trope is to have like the sensei or the the like the the Ronin guy. He's just like so cool, calm, and collective. Yeah, that's like, like yeah. Kashi from Naruto. Yeah, he just yeah, walks the around. The only 
the not only a care time, in the world. yeah, the only time he a- actually cared was then when he reached out into the force and felt his padawan, mm-hmm. like basically fall. It was the only time that you got, and he didn't even go to a ten. He went to like a four. <laughs> he was like at a he was at like a, a point two the whole time, barely <laughs> barely even functioning. And he gets struck down. and He was like, I have to go. Dan, get out of there. So I liked this one. The Sith who didn't care about taking over the galaxy in as much as he was just a bad dude that was wandering down around the universe to find a good fight. Mm -hmm. I was, he was scary. And the way they drew him gave me nightmares. I was like, Ooh, this is like big trouble in little China right here. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm like, this dude is straight out of big trouble in little China. He's going to start shooting lightning out of his eyes. I was like, this is, this is hot. I love it. Right. <laughs> but that episode was great. Um, again, I felt like this story, much like the ninth Jedi had a more complete narrative for me. And that it, I felt like it had a beginning, a middle. And then even though it wasn't resolved at the end, this one really set up for we can write more of these but if we never did again you would be fully satisfied with what we presented well dude i think you called it straight on there the the the, uh the guy who did the voice for the for the old sith that's uh that's lopan from big trouble in little china I, i knew it no i didn't know it but that's cool yeah no yeah that is that is that is that is lopan that's amazing um, now I'm geeking out even more about how much I love that episode. <laughs> Jack Burton likes this episode. Yeah, Big Trouble in Little China is one of my guilty pleasure 80 movies. I love it. Oh, absolutely. Right. Amazing. Gentlemen, your thoughts and opinions on The Elder. Alex, what did you think? I, I, it wasn't one of my favorites. I don't know if that's a hot take. And I think it was because of, and I need to just, I need to watch it a few more times. I know, but I, I wasn't a fan of, I didn't even know it was David Harbour, but I was like, why is this guy so monotone? And I, I now see that. And I think I need to watch it in that lens that like, okay, he's just the super Zen Jedi. Right. But I think it was more so some of the dialogue choices that they say, like if, if you go back, I don't know if you may know, cause you've probably seen it a ton of times, but the last line of the episode, I was like, what? Like, that's how you're going to end it on saying something. It wasn't even like a cool line, but the fight was so good. And that, that, I mean, saved it. Like I said, I loved all of these episodes, but this one's kind of probably in the middle for me. Uh, I just love that whole anime bit. Like you said, of I'm just looking for a fight. I just want to fight the strongest person. I love when he said, I wish I could have found you when I was younger. And it wasn't even that he was saying, I think I could beat you. It was just so that I could fight you at more of my power. And to see that and then see him just get taken out. Uh, and even when he's fighting the kid and he's like, ah, you know, I'm just testing the waters with you, which is just how they do it in the anime fights. It's always, I'll only show you a little bit, but God, that did just, the fight was so good. And then what he like sabotages his own ship at the end too, right? He blows it up. Yeah. 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 He was, he was crazy in a great way. As much as I enjoyed this episode, if it never continued, I'd be completely fine. Like I'm dying for more in the night Jedi galaxy. I, I am done with these 13 minutes and I think it was what I needed. Like I liked liked it, but I don't, I don't care if it ever continues. So that's like probably a hot take then on my part, because this was like number one, almost I'm with you. I'm I'm with you, Mark. I may even like this one more than ninth Jedi because it has closure. I I don't, I don't need to see that Jedi and Padawan again. I love that. It's a very specific moment in time with three very well drawn characters. Yeah. Um, And I, I love 
David Harbour's, you know, no drama Jedi master. I mean, I think he's right out of the, the Qui-Gon Jinn school of Jedi. Yep. Like, like Qui-Gon never gets above a two, right? Yep. Like if we're, if we're going to, if we're going to pick on Harbour for getting up to a four, like Qui-Gon never he, gets above a two, he, no matter how yeah, much anybody fair. messes with him. Like, that's yeah. fair. He did, but only when he got stabbed and he even went up to an eight at that point. Well, he I died, even, he died even, pretty chill. yeah, no, he, he dies. He dies very chill. It's, it's, it's not even an impassioned play. It's just train the boy. Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> but that's probably why he had a green lightsaber too. Is that he's just part of that whole scion of Jedi's that is very chill and doesn't worry about that sort of stuff. And Luke falls into that too. Luke's got the green saber, and Luke, you know, he's he's monotone Jones when he comes and picks up the child. So it's I think that there's definitely a kind of a Zen, Zen. Buddhist calm Bro, universe Luke is, yeah. is what and it Luke is. Luke is very zen when he takes on Jabba's henchmen. Oh yeah, yeah. Jabba, this is your last chance. Like, and it's just very straightforward. I, I, I loved this one. I loved everything about it. Bry, I'm good. I've said what I needed to say. I think Robert hasn't given his thoughts on this one. Yet. All right. Uh, this one, this one was cool. It gave me like some Ninja Scroll vibes, and uh, I know Brian. You when uh, Alex read uh, Light of the Jedi, it kind of reminded me of Greystorm and his Padawan. Yeah, mm-hmm. just a little bit. Yeah, very similar. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it was cool. I, I like I like the like the elder. Like I was saying earlier, like just like he's a he's a dark force user or a Sith, just just rolling around for a good fight. He's not like trying to take over anything. He's just yeah. You know, he's what Kylo Ren wanted to be for the first little while. Yeah. yeah. So, guys, Lopin Ocho, which is episode eight. Uh, I'm not going to say much about this one, uh, other other than this one, this one, and probably the last left me the most unaffected. Uh, I did watch them. While I didn't not enjoy them, I just didn't get invested in any way whatsoever in them. Um, not her being like a, a oversized rabbit wasn't what didn't do it for me. I just again, I didn't get this narrative. But it's you know basically a family is torn apart when the empire rolls into the town. And then family members are forced to choose sides and it sets, you know, sister against uh, sister and daughter against father. It was intriguing. I can't tell you why it didn't pull me in, but I am open to the panel convincing me why I'm missing the boat on La Pinocchio. So whoever would love to jump in, Robert, why don't, why don't you go first on this one? Uh, we haven't really thrown it to you first. In a lot of <laughs> I mean, it, it was cool. It, it, it gave me like some Studio Ghibli vibes, you know, like like you were saying. Like it, it's it's more more of a heartfelt story. But I, I I'm not I'm not going to try to convince you otherwise. It, it was it was fine. I mean, the animation was great, you know. And this one kind of had some closure because it, it was just about you know a family being torn apart. To me, yeah. so that's all it was. It it it. You know, like it starts off with what they they find her in the street or whatever, and they like have this bond over the years, and that's pretty much it. I'm, yeah, I just I just find it very interesting the family being torn apart because you can see this happening as the empire takes over the galaxy for years and years of of the one family member thinking they know better for the rest of the family and kind of selling out the rest of them to to basically save the family. It's very similar to the the bride one from from that aspect of trying to do what's right by the family just in the opposite way. I think of this episode, I didn't love all of it from start to finish, but I think some of the most powerful emotional stuff is when Ocho joins the Empire, cuts off her braid, 
and and everything there. I thought that was all really well done. The the Empire guy was an absolute tool. And like that was the whole point of that character. But Ocho and when she confronts her dad and and we talked about how much the the swords are revered in, in Japanese culture when she finds right. out that Lop has the has the saber, like and how how deep that that cuts her. I thought some of that was some of the motion most emotional stuff that came out came out of this show. Even though I didn't love this episode from start to finish, I thought Ocho's arc specifically was really really interesting. Yeah, I I loved this episode too. <laughs> um, I maybe I can try to convince you. The, the I thought this episode was more about family and had no, you know you could take all the Jedi stuff out of it and and I just thought it was really cool that they, they find this this rabbit or this girl and she's now part of the family and watching it knowing the ending now from like a second viewing you know, they're really nice to her and Ocho is really nice to her. And she's saying like, you know, you're going to be a part of this family and the dad doesn't want anything to do with her. He's like, you know, no, you've disgraced me. And now I have to bring her as part of this family. And so then you get to that spot where the empire shows up and she's arguing for the empire. And I loved that because he's the old man that is set in his ways, but she's arguing for a villain and you don't, you don't see that often, but at the same time, she keeps saying there, well, as the future head of the household and as the, you know, I'm, going to be the future heir of this family and then to see him choose her choose lop over her and when he says I, th- I feel like i've spent a lot of time ignoring you and minimizing you and i'm really sorry about that and that was what was meant the most to me in this episode more so than the lightsaber fight but the fight was still really cool too and i i wonder mark if, if it's part i saw a review of someone had said that the episodes kind of start blending together And if you get to that point where you say, hey, I'm going to binge watch all of these and you get to that point, I could see you being like, you know, this isn't really doing it for me because you've seen the lightsaber fight, the cool lightsaber fight. I mean, there's cool shots. There's that shot where Ocho's like this in the air and it was like, oh, my God, that's so cool. But it did kind of feel repetitive from the others. And that's why I clung to the family aspect of it more because that that was just so cool to see him turn around. And the whole ceremony was cool of of the the symbols coming out on the ground and all of that. Like, I, I love that piece it reminded me of uh, akira was the- yeah and i i think that's a great recommendation and i'm going to try to be fair to it so i think i'm going to just watch it as a standalone i i haven't done that i've always had two or three that preceded it and that was always the last one that was there yeah so i'm going to try to be fair to it and do that one more time and just have it stand on its own by its own style and its own merits rather than try to watch it when it's blending in with everything else because that's I, really a- fair. that's fair yeah, I, I really like this one too. I think this is one of my one of my top faves. I, again, it felt like it had the most story to it and the most stakes to it. I thought Ocho was annoying as can be at the beginning of it, but by the end when she's actually a villain, it, it worked. I love the ceremony that you were talking about where he's explaining the history of the saber within the family and it had kind of a yeah. whole yep. Kill Bill Hattori Hanzo vibe going on as, as it's handed over. Um, I thought the duel was great and I could feel like that there was because there was a real relationship between the two sisters. There was something much more than I want to take over the galaxy versus I don't want to take over the galaxy that was going on in the twins. This felt like I'm fighting for the environment that's being published. I like the environmental message that came through in the episode. I liked that it had the backdrop of you know, I think it was mentioned a little while ago, the whole empire coming in and it's not just the impact of the empire on a planet, but the impact of the empire on a family and the relationship of community and family together through it. Um, 
And sorry, guys, it's a Jedi bunny. It's cool. It's a Jedi. <laughs> like, I, we're ignoring the obvious here. Like, that was the thing that I when the, when the trailer first came out, I was just like, a Jedi can be a rabbit. <laughs> yes. I like it. Makes more sense than Yoda. It does. It really, it really does. I, again, like, that didn't bother me as much as, again, uh, Alex gave me a nice, a nice tip. I think I'm going to take him up on that and just watch this episode the next time I do it. Alex, the other, the other episode I think I was unfair to because it maybe blended in was the series or the season finale, episode nine. Um, Akakiri, Akakiri, Akakiri Bless you. Blend, blended in to, to me and that I think because that was always at the tail end of a binge, it started to really just blend into the other episodes. It was a weird, so here's my only critique of that one too. It was a very weird end, and I said this, to the season. I thought they would have ended with something with a stronger visual than they did. The episode itself had a cool premise. So this Jedi revisits a planet that you get through this. It was his forbidden love, that they had a romantic connection. He falls prone to these visions of a future that can happen to him. And then he succumbs to his worst nightmare essentially at the end and in his blind rage strikes down the woman that he loves and then has to agree to a devil's bargain to become a Sith apprentice and an acolyte in order to save her. This was cool to me to go back to and connect and circle all the way around of them again connecting concepts of the force that we have not seen. Uh, Darth Sidious promised Anakin, that this was a power that was possible for the Sith. We now see it fulfilled, even though it's not canon. We see that it is, in fact, true that two Sith using their power together or two dark, uh, dark Force users can bring someone back from the dead. But there's a price that needed to be paid in order for that to happen. So that was really fascinating to me. But how did this episode work? Was it a strong finale? Where do you place this episode in the grand scheme of things? Or was this like your top episode? Alex, was this, was this it for you? No, this was, uh, this was at the bottom of my list. Uh, I, I would put it right around with Tatooine Rhapsody. I, I don't know which one of those I liked more, but even when I watched it a second time, I had to rewind a few spots. Cause I was like, wait, what just happened when he, when he goes to strike her down from the vision that he had, I, for some reason I thought that they moved to something else and it was like, Oh, it was just while he was knocked out for a minute. Yeah, he got that vision and then he wakes up and has to fight them. But yeah, overall, it's like there there really wasn't that much of a, a lightsaber fight when you compare it to the other episodes. Like this was a very weak lightsaber fight. The animation as well, I would say, is probably the weakest of all of the episodes. Uh, just because th there was some question, the, the way the faces looked and, and the the wide shots and all of that, I, I don't know. There was really nothing that I loved about this one, uh, but the concept was cool. Like you said, I loved the idea of him having to make that devil's bargain, essentially a different Anakin Skywalker. But um, but yeah, I, I don't even have much to say on it because besides that, there was, wasn't really much to say for it. Mike? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing I liked most about it was that it was really i mean i guess except for the twins with luke and leia it was one of the only episodes that had any real parallels to the the actual star wars lore yeah so it was it was nice to see okay i'm gonna take a very prominent theme from the saga and create my own narrative take on it and that being 
can, you know, what, how far am I willing to go? What bargain am I willing to make in order to save the person I love? And so I thought that that, that one aspect and the, the, how it echoed and, and where it didn't echo with Anakin and, and, uh, Padme, Padme and, and the emperor was really cool. But other than that, not certainly not among my faves. I just thought that the, the kind of thematic shout out was a really nice twist. Yeah. Brian, what were your thoughts on Akira? Didn't care for the color palette. Didn't really care for, for much in this one either. It, it fizzled out for the show. I think it would have been to Alex's point. If these were weekly releases, I don't think one people would have looked forward to them, but I think they would have each been given their own fair shake. Um, whereas this one, when you compare it to the others, it just didn't have that, that same feeling again, the color palette, the animation yeah. uh, struggled in, in certain places. It was fine. The story concept was interesting, but it's not a story concept that was as original as some of the others. Them dropping all these at the same time was really smart. This wouldn't have been good as a weekly drop if they did one short at a time. I, I like the way no, they released this. No, but to Lop and Ocho specifically, when Alex talked about them blending together, had you watched that just on its own, you might have appreciated it just a little bit. Just a little bit more, but they could not have gotten nine weeks of viewing out of this. No, no, no people would have people would have bailed. After the first episode... And, and truthfully, after, again, the second. after after that second episode, people probably would have bailed, except for me. <laughs> except <laughs> for me, uh, Robert. Anything about this last episode? Did it um, did it leave you with a good feeling of what is to come if we're going to get a second season of Visions? Uh, I, mean, I, I, I didn't. I didn't like this one too much because, like you said, the animation style and the art. I mean, Concept is cool. Like see somebody and see what, what what motivates them. Just like just like Anakin, you know, yeah, you got to build and everything just just to just to have ending. I guess everything you know everything doesn't end happily. So it's it's cool to see like different ways end in different ways. Like it doesn't always have to be a happy ending, or it doesn't always have to be like a good ending. So I guess I can appreciate that, but. The, I'm, I'm like, the animation style is garbage. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it is, you know. Great voice actors for this one, though, when I checked yeah. it out. You got freaking Snake Eyes as the main character, Henry Golding from Crazy Rich Asians, and then um, was it Jamie Chung from Lovecraft Country and Disney yep. Channel? And then the, I don't remember her name, but the lady from Orange is the New Black, the one big bad villain from like season two or something, was the, the villain in this one, the, the Sith. Mm hmm. I thought the voice acting in this series was amazing overall. Uh, I really enjoyed if, if I had to recommend this to people, I would say again, I think if you're a fan of star Wars, it's a, it's a must watch. I think it will expand your mind. It'll get you to look at the star Wars universe in a different way. If you're a fan of anime, you'll, in, you'll enjoy the way that anime fits into the star Wars frame. Um, but Anthony asked us before, gentlemen, if I had to pick a three to recommend to him, I would say, uh, again, the duel, the elder and the ninth Jedi are the must watch from this. Those are my three strongest takeaways. Go around the horn. You know, Mike, what would, what would your big three be? Uh, the Elder, the Ninth Jedi, and then it's a toss-up between the Duel and Lapanocho. Wow. Okay, Lapanocho making it in there. Brian, what about you, man? 
Uh, the duel, the ninth Jedi, and I'm going to do it to Ruby. I'm sorry, the twins. Wow. All right. Yikes. <laughs> Alex? <laughs> yeah, I would also I would say the duel, the ninth Jedi, and the twins. Wow. All right. And Robert? Yeah, that's three. That's three for me. The same, wow. Same yep. <laughs> there, it's Anthony, there it is, my friend. <laughs> decidedly those are those are your three i i will say i think it, knowing anthony he probably would like the elder more than the twins though i right. I, I completely agree if we're if we're tailoring this to anthony specifically <laughs> the elder the elder would would be number three anthony join me and david harbour on the dark side you can come <laughs> we have cookies gentlemen i enjoyed this immensely thank you so much for hanging out with us and giving our summation of visions I'm hopeful that we get another season, that we get a continuation. I'm also hopeful that we get maybe one or two of these stories just coming out with their, their own season. I could see some of these creating a season. Again, um, we're, we're imploring you, Lucas Vision, pick up the Ninth Jedi, please, for everyone here on the panel. We speak for everyone when we say we need more of the Ninth Jedi. But thank you so much, gentlemen. Anthony, uh, we, we gave you your recommendations. Um, run with them, my friend. Uh, and thank you so much. Thanks, Alex, for joining the show. Thank you, Robert, for joining the show. Guys, this was a lot of fun. We say we enjoy doing this all the time. We love connecting with Star Wars fans. So thank you guys for being a part. Yeah, appreciate it. This was a blast. So, and for both my, uh, my co-Jedis here, as we like to say, as we say goodbye every single week, may the Force be with you always. Take care, everyone. <laughs>